Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mick Clifford podcast on today, Tuesday, the 4th of February. We're in the midst of a general election campaign, as I'm sure you all know. And as we count down to polling day next Saturday, the campaign is on a fascinating trajectory with the rise and rise of Sinn Féin in particular, culminating with an Irish Times Ipsos MRBI poll on Monday that had the party as the most popular in the state for the first time since that type of polling began. So what exactly is going on? For some answers, I spoke to one of our more astute political commentators, Gary Murphy, who is Professor of Politics at Dublin City University. I met up with Gary earlier today and I started out by misquoting a Bob Dylan song to him. Gary, Bob Dylan famously wrote in a song called Ballad of the Thin Man, something is happening but we don't know what it is, do we Mr Jones? Do you know what's happening at the moment in this election? He always wrote the times are changing, didn't he Mick? <laughs> he did. Um, I have some idea and I think it's um, the fact that the two parties that have dominated the state since its foundation, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, um, are struggling because uh, party attachment, which was a very strong um, element of how people thought about themselves, uh, for much of the state has has all but disappeared. Uh, party membership is uh, has collapsed. There are very few people who are now physically members of political parties. There are some here in universities. Um, and what that has meant is that after the crash of 2008, uh, the party system that sometimes political scientists like me talk of has been shattered. What did that party system entail? It meant Fianna Fáil got 40% of the vote over literally seven decades. It was quite an extraordinary uh, process, really. Fianna Gael got about 30-odd percent. Uh, and what's happening since is that, since the crash, the, um, the system has so fragmented that uh, the electorate are willing to go elsewhere. They went to Labour and Fine Gael in uh, 2011. They didn't like what happened there. Uh, 2016, they weren't sure what they were at. Uh, they weren't really sure that they want uh, Fianna Fáil back or a combination. And here now in 2020, at a very late stage, uh, it seems that they're turning their lonely eyes to Sinn Féin. Um, we have to wait and see what happens on Saturday at the ballot box because history does tell us, particularly in the last two elections, Sinn Féin have underperformed on the day compared to polls. Fianna Fáil have done better. Um, but there is one dynamic that people haven't factored in and that is the leadership of Mary Lou MacDonald. Jerry Adams, in my view, absolutely hopeless in the 2011 and 2016 general elections as leader of Sinn Féin and, in my view, uh, held him back. Uh, he didn't understand the politics of the Republic the way he did politics of Northern Ireland. Uh, she does, clearly, and although she had a tremendously rocky beginning, uh, something in the air has, has changed, uh, and that's the key word, Mick. It, it's changed. People, you know, we have practically full employment, we have relatively low inflation, um, but quality of life issues have, have dominated, and much to the surprise of Fine Gael. Isn't that the interesting thing, that, for example, if someone was to look in from the outside here, 
and they look at the employment gone from about 15% down to less than 5 which is effectively full employment uh, look at consumer spending all of that sort of thing people are able to spend money they would say my god you're flying there altogether but under the surface it would seem that there is a lot that Fine Gael, in looking after the economy failed to take note of yeah and the Fine Gael narrative of we saved the state basically after uh, the Fianna Fáil hucksters caused a crash um, I think that that ran to some extent in 2016 but it has dissipated but only really over the course of the last couple of months relatively steady at about 29-30% uh, in much of the opinion polls uh, but in the last month as the first as the election was looming and then when uh, the Taoiseach did call it uh, that um, that support has has simply all but disappeared I reckon they have about 20% of the core vote and literally they're losing every other vote. Now, I think this has come as a big shock to themselves. Clearly it's come as a shock to uh, Simon Coveney, who, to be fair to him, and Helen McEnany have done a very good job on Brexit. Brexit's not a partisan issue. I think that's what's happened there. Uh, but Pascal Donoghue must be tearing his hair out. I mean, he has overseen, uh, as you said, an economy that is, to all intents and purposes, on macro uh, indicators, doing very well. Uh, but it's the micro indicator of families. That's what's happening. And it's not just homelessness, although that's a very big issue. It's um, that the property classes see their children not being able to buy property in uh, in relatively uh, nice parts of the... Uh, well, here we are in Dublin, in nice parts of the city, uh, but also even in rural Ireland. And uh, there's a big fear, I think, amongst people in uh, what we call rural Ireland that their children are going to leave, they're either going to go to Dublin or else they're going to leave the state uh, fully so yeah quality of life has become much more important uh, uh, for voters it was the economy stupid uh, but it's now something much more fundamental than that yeah and this deep-seated unhappiness that people have very understandably on the basis of quality of life issues but it's not just that the likes of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael or for example even those of us who work in the media didn't see coming Sinn Féin didn't see it coming either because their candidate strategy was entirely defensive they were hoping I, on the basis of their performance in the last couple of last couple of elections, they were hoping against hope to stem their losses, and now it's a different ball game altogether. It is. I mean, Mary Lou Macdonald took a big risk in trying to force a presidential election. She said she was going to run a candidate against President Higgins, although he, in many ways, embodies much of what Sinn Fein stand for. Um, being a solid socialist all his uh, all his adult life. Um, and their candidate uh, imploded spectacularly, Leonie Reid, just over 6% of the vote. This was followed by disastrous uh, local and European election results. Lost half their seats at local level. Uh, lost two really very strong uh, MEPs, including Lynn Boylan, who I think if they had run in any constituency in Dublin would probably have won a seat uh, uh, at this election. Uh, and people like me, I hadn't written them off, but I thought this election would see something similar, that they'd be... You know, maybe somewhere around ten percent in the polls, they'd go up a little bit. Um, she would, she and she has. Mary Lou Macdonald has grown into into the role. Um, she said after the local and European elections that they would listen to the people. You now, one might be sceptical about that, as I was, uh, but it seems to have worked. And what I think has happened is they have now articulated a. It's a vision as a thing from just an attack on the, the two parties that have dominated the state. That's still there, and we saw it in our Tweedledum Tweedledee jibe at the. Uh, at the RT debate last uh, last week, um, but they now are articulating a vision that people are listening to. Uh, in many ways, it's a classic uh, 
classic socialist view of the world. In, in, in Tax and spend. Gary, yeah, I, I, but I, again, I, I just wonder, is there parallels, for example, like we've seen what led to, in a different context, in what you might call a more right-wing context, what led to Brexit, that unhappiness, what led to the ascent of Donald Trump. And in those scenarios, one thing I think that arises is people were so desperate for some form of change that they were prepared to put up with ancillary stuff. They were prepared not to delve into the details of policy and that kind of thing. And I just wonder, in a different context, is there something at work here? Because if you look at Sinn Féin's manifesto, being quite frank, it doesn't stack up. Yet at the same time, it's as if, well, they're saying the right things. They're going to bring us in a different direction. Therefore, we can live with any of that. Yeah, they're going to tax business and uh, reward workers. Uh, it's a classic view of the uh, of the socialist state. Um, and what they're attracting, it seems to me, are working class voters or those who would see themselves as working class. And this was what this is what drove Brexit and it was what drove Trump. And now Sinn Féin would see themselves as the antithesis of both Brexit or, or both the Tories and the Republican Party. Um, Ireland, of course, is much smaller. We have a much we have a different electoral system uh, where uh, than both Britain and the United States. Um, but they have hit on something, and it, it's this: is that they are a party which encompasses a much wider view of the economic system uh, than the Greens, for instance. In instance, Mick. I think one of the interesting things in this election is we haven't seen a huge green wave. Now, they're certainly doing better than they were in 2016 where they won two TDs and 2011 where they lost all their TDs from their fiasco uh, in government. Um, but I think that's been an interesting uh, phenomenon of this election, the rise of Sinn Féin um, as distinct from uh, from the Green Party. I think leadership certainly has a lot to do with it. I, I think Mary Lou MacDonald has done a very good job. And also it's their spokespeople. I mean, Owen Brini has literally written the book uh, Home uh, on the Housing Crisis. Uh, it was very interesting to see him on the uh, on the RT debate last night uh, on climate change. Why is that? He's their most influential uh, uh, speaker. Um, he is the intellectual powerhouse of the party. If you look at someone like Pierce Doherty, he certainly uh, he seems to know what he's talking about. Remember, he's the person who spotted the huge gap in the fiscal space in 2016. Uh, and, and, if you look at, and the pensions, and I the think pensions. And if you look at someone like Louise O'Reilly in health, now health, as we know, is one of the two dominant issues of the campaign. And I think her, her voice and this message of, I have a personal stake in the health system because I don't have private health insurance, which she has said uh, on a number of debates, and she's been the only one in the room um, who hasn't private health insurance. I think that has resonated with many people across the state. Uh, VHI and other private health care, that's expensive. Some people don't uh, uh, trust the public system, but if you're saying I don't have healthcare and I want to fix the public health system or the public system, that I think that's made a difference. So now it's a small coterie of people at the top I mean, who don't have sort of IRA antecedents, yeah. um, and some of the other candidates aren't as impressive. I think David Colnan is good, and then beyond that, I'm uh, not so convinced by others. Um, you could make the same argument in Fianna Fáil at the moment, Gary. Well, you could. I think Michal Martin is... Uh, I mean, I have a lot of time for Michal Martin because he could have stepped off the pitch in uh, in 2011. And his uh, his devotion to public service is uh, is commendable. Uh, he uh, he took the modern father of all hidings. Uh, but remember, he challenged Brian Cowan at a time when no one else in Fianna Fáil was willing to do it. And Fianna Fáil were going off... Uh, uh, off a cliff, but he, if, but if he's but, him out of it. But yeah, but you're looking at Derek Cleary, who I, uh, the deputy leader, uh, and uh, Michael McGrath Finance has always been quite impressive. 
and then you're struggling. I mean, the shine has certainly gone off Stephen Donnelly in health, uh, and he hasn't been able, I think, for Louise O'Reilly uh, and other health spokesmen. And you know, that's one way has been a big surprise. Um, but yeah, there are thin pickings in uh, in Fianna Fáil, and we might see it when it comes to uh, government formation. One other quick thing about the campaign as we've seen it, as you said, the green agenda was one that a lot of us thought would feature prominently. It's an interesting fact that it hasn't, which probably says an awful lot more about people as well possibly campaigns as well, particularly with the Green Party, but it also says a lot as to whether people are ready to face up to it. One other thing, though, there had been fears uh, that this election would herald the kind of anti-immigrant uh, type of, of, of rhetoric that we've seen elsewhere and that people would use this to attempt to get votes. Thankfully, that's something that didn't emerge at all. And going back to Sinn Féin to some extent, they're one party that have a very positive record in, in that because... As you say, their working class base could have been an area where they could have tried to exploit and they didn't. But in the overall picture, it hasn't featured, which I think is, says something positive anyway about the electorate. And it says something positive about the party system, I think, clearly. And if you look at someone like Paul Donnelly in Dublin West, there's a huge target seat for, uh, uh, for Sinn Féin. He sponsors a local football team in, um, in Ongar, I think. And uh, he's very involved in the community. Half the players playing, I, I see it with my own son's football team, uh, are immigrants, are the children of immigrants. Uh, they just blend in. And I think it is to be welcomed that uh, there has been no... Um, the, the race car, to be blunt about it, Mick, hasn't been, uh, hasn't been played. Uh, because I don't think it would work. Uh, some people try to do it and uh, they've disappeared off the pitch. So it is, I think, a sign of a, uh, of a healthy electorate. You also see constant attacks on direct provision uh, rightly so now what's the solution is a bit tricky and I think no one has really solved that uh, yet but the fact that most political parties uh, even including Fine Gael see direct provision as a stain on Irish democracy I think is a uh, is a good thing Sinn Féin have been very strong on this but I, I think it's across the political spectrum and I think that is to the benefit of politicians there is a view as you would know, that all politicians are kind of hucksters in it for themselves. Uh, we had a debate here in DCU yesterday of the uh, Dublin North West candidates uh, from across the spectrum. Noel Rock, who sees, as we know, is probably gone. Uh, he's a doughty fighter and um, he might hold on, but it's not looking very good for him. So from him to Roisin Shorter, leader of the Social Democrats, uh, a very impressive young man from people before Prophet Conor Reddy. He doesn't really have a chance, but he was very impressive. Daisy Ellis, the local TD, Paul McAuliffe. Uh, we had them all. And... Um, and they got a very welcome uh, reception and, and a good response across a whole range of issues. And it struck me, listening to them, these are just ordinary people, like we are. Uh, they're not uh, some strange, exotic creatures who come down from uh, from the solar system and they're interested in the same things we are, uh, our devoters are. And uh, I think that's healthy. I'm, uh, I don't like these personal attacks that have come into the campaign, particularly in the last couple of days. Type of desperation on behalf of both Fianna Fáil and uh, Fine Gael. And I tend to think that's why people should come out to vote because they're voting for their peers. Yeah, I tend to, I tend to subscribe myself, Gary, to the, the, the notion that we get the politicians we deserve one way or the other. Um, no, oh, no, sorry, I mean, I, 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 and, and some politicians, I mean, if you take the case of Dara Murphy, they're not getting away from it. Like, there's not something not right, you know, where, where a person can take, can log in, oh, yeah. take his expenses, and then disappear off out to Europe, you know, and do a day's job out there. There's not so, and, and most people think that, you know, it's, it's not on. Well, I, I agree, but yeah. I, mean, I, I think but, but the, the, the general population, you're but, going to find but, the odd person who's like that too. But no, but, but my point is, I, I think that's an exception. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it, if there's another couple in that type of boat, well, so be it. But the vast majority of people who are in, 
in public life or in the for public service. And I and I go back to Mihal Martin. I think he's the classic example of it. Yeah, I tend to agree with that myself. Just looking briefly into the future, a couple of things arise now with this surge from Sinn Féin, Gary. One thing, it would strike me that confidence and supply is dead because it would certainly seem that idea of change and within that people have identified not just with the governing party, Fine Gael, but some, and an increasing number, have identified Fianna Fáil as being part of that even though it was, they would claim, in this confidence supply arrangement. But it would strike me that on the basis of that type of dynamic, were the numbers to fall... Uh, into a scenario whereby Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael were the only ones left standing in terms of forming any sort of a cohesive government. The notion that the choices between confidence and supply or a grand coalition is gone, I don't think they could go back into confidence and supply. I don't think the people w- would want it, basically. That's true, I think, Mick, but uh, there might not be an alternative, uh, and I tell you what. The grand coalition? The grand coalition is one, and that is... You know, to use the awfulest of cliches, the great Rubicon to be uh, crossed in, in Irish political life. And uh, Michal Martin has ruled it out. He's also ruled out a coalition with Sinn Féin. Uh, in one way, he's the victim, as I wrote in today's Irish Examiner. He's Schrodinger's politician. He's like he's not in government and he's not out of government. Uh, and it's very difficult for them to, for him then to portray himself as the agent of uh, of change. And Brexit has is, has been the glue that has held confidence and supply uh, together. The government would have fallen up with the whole Francis Fitzgerald saga that you would know more than anyone um, back in December of 2017. Um, it was held together by, by Brexit. Uh, and it's very difficult to see how it would work again. Uh, but, and the Kenny offered a coalition and Michal Martin turned that down in 2016. Now, whether it was a serious offer is a matter of debate and Fianna Fáil would say it wasn't. Uh, Leo Varadkar mentioned it already. So, yeah, but what are the alternatives? Well, is this uh, confidence and supply? Yeah, we've just spoken about it, very difficult. Is it a coalition of one of the main parties, probably Fianna Fáil on the polls, uh, the Greens, the Social Democrats and Labour? Well, there are so many red lines now from all of the smaller parties, I think that would be very difficult to uh, to form. Of course, Labour desperate to be in power. Well, Brendan Holland is desperate to be in power, uh, but he might only have five TDs. The polls, you know, we saw them down again uh, in um, in today's uh, Irish Times poll at 4%. I mean, he'll probably be safe and four or five others, but things aren't looking very good there. The Social Democrats uh, have two. They'll certainly be returned. And, uh, and they've had a reasonably good election, I think. Um, Roshan Short was very impressive here yesterday, and in one way, as the architect of Slauncher Care. Um, Gary Gannon could win. They could win in Whitlow. They could win um, in Galway West. They're very excited about their candidate in Cork Southwest, but I mean that would be the mother and father of all election shocks. Holly Kearns, if she was to win down there, um, but they've had a reasonably good election. The Greens, yeah, I've been somewhat surprised uh, that we haven't had this green surge. Uh, if you look at their target seats, Roger Gorman in Dublin West, um, he's now probably in a fight with uh, Ruth Coppinger. Uh, I think Joan Burton's seat has gone because of the rise of Sinn Fein and Paul Donnelly should should uh, should take that seat. Um, but will they get to eighty? That would be a stretch. Then you might be bringing in independence and then it becomes very difficult indeed. So my point being, yeah, confidence and supply, no one really likes it, but it might be the least worst uh, of all options because if the, if these polls are all at about 20% and they all come in in the, in the low 20s and then they, that gets them all, so, well, Fianna Fáil might get, let's say, 50-odd seats uh, 
and Fine Gael, I mean, at this stage, 35 or 8 would probably be a good day's work. I mean, that would be a tremendous failure. Uh, and then, would, could Sinn Féin get to 40 seats? Now, if they're running 42, and this goes back to the point about them not running enough candidates, should Mary Lou MacDonald have run a second candidate? She'd probably get a huge first preference vote, and it's up, it's going to waste there. Um, Cork North Central, the mysterious disappearance of Jonathan O'Brien, which still hasn't been very properly explained, very popular local uh, TD. He could have brought in Thomas Gould, that's now gone because they're running Gould on his uh, on his own. Will they hold on in Dublin Midwest? Polls would say yes, but that might be a stretch. Um, if you look at somewhere like uh, Sligo Leitrim, where they were always going to run two and then drop one at the last uh, minute. My, my point being that I think uh, we mightn't be in a scenario where one party is so significantly ahead that they can take the running on government formation. Yeah, but the other thing about that, Gary, is that Nihal Martin's premise for not, one of, well, one of the premises he suggested for not going into a coalition with Fine Gael was that it would leave the opposition open to Sinn Féin. But what appears to be emerging now, certainly in opinion polls, is that... That rises there already. Yeah, yeah, that rises yeah. there already, Mickey. Yeah. Um, now, still waters run deep, they say, and maybe uh, we have a stillness in, in both parties. Uh there was talk before about a possible uh, merger between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael in the 1960s. Uh, there was rumours that uh, Sean Lamas was in favour of it. Uh, nothing came of that. Um, when Fine Gael were at their lowest deb in 2002, they were thought that the party would start to disappear. Uh, I never thought that was likely. And there was also talk in 2011 Fianna Fáil would disappear. My point being that these centrist parties, they still command, you know, fair amount of support um, and Phil Hogan famously asked voters and Fianna Fáil voters in 2011 to lend us your vote now those votes might be going back um, yeah I thought they would be over 50% it now looks like they'll be under 50% uh, at this election and the trend is going down um, but they're separate political parties for a reason and it's not just the civil war I mean that's redundant now at this stage I mean Fine Gael are still on the centre right except the elect now seems to be going left um, and I think there is a space for a specific Fine Gael party. Now, should they coalesce? Yeah, well, Fianna Fáil have coalesced with everybody, except Sinn Féin and uh, Fine Gael, but the PDs are gone. The Greens were nearly gone. Um, uh, so, you know, it's uh, Labour has been very damaged by its uh, its coalition with Fianna Fáil way back in 1992. Now, it recovered in 2011, but, like, literally 20 years uh, yeah Irish politics the fragmentation has taken it hasn't taken me by surprise but the uh, the fact that we've seen the third party rise so much in so little time that certainly has taken me surprise and most other people uh, will it translate at the ballot box well we'll only, we can only wait and see on Saturday one other thing in that regard Gary um, Sinn Féin they're on a wave they're doing extremely well they're, they're popular for whatever reason we delve into that but were they to spurn an opportunity if it arises to go into power now or were they not to push it hard enough and really go for it is there a possibility they may miss the bus I mean for example you look at the Green Party you know, and their experience like a lot when they came out of it they were decimated but the, their decision in 07 was basically we've been hanging around long enough talking about what we want to do here's an opportunity we better go in w- would Sinn Féin feel like that or would they feel that they'll be able to hold on to this popularity in opposition and grow on the basis of that I thought it was very interesting when Mary Lou MacDonald became leader that she explicitly said that she wanted to be in power um, Jerry Adams had said it before but he never really meant it and no one believed him anyway uh, 
she's much different and I think she has copped on to the idea that people who vote Sinn Féin and might vote Sinn Féin into the future uh, are voting for them to be in office in some shape or form. No, she wants to lead a left-wing uh, government of some sort. Could it happen? And let's say they got 40 seats. Uh, if Labour and the Greens joined with them, then they would have as, they would have as many seats as Fine Gael had when Confidence and Supply was... Uh, was negotiated. The trouble is you'd have two big blocks on the other side and you'd have a kind of a rag bag of independence made in Jean Poole, the Healy Rays, Matthew McGrath, uh, Michael Lowry, different pool, but, you know, did the same idea. Um, so, yeah, I think those who are voting Sinn Féin at this election are voting for them to actually get into power and do something about it. Um, now, whether that's with uh, Fianna Fáil, I can't see how it could possibly be with Fianna Gael. Uh, I think the... I think the philosophies are too different. We have some Fianna Fáil TDs have come out and said they would be quite happy to work with, uh, with Sinn Féin uh, in office. But as it, it, it comes down to this for me, Mick, is that those who are now voting uh, Sinn Féin are thinking about it, are doing it because they want them in power in some shape or form. Uh, yeah, the manifesto has some holes in it, clearly. But people don't really look at manifestos at all. Um but the, the mantra of change has happened. Now, would change be, well, it is a Fianna Fáil Sinn Féin coalition. Would that be change? Well, it would certainly be a change of party at the, in office, so that would certainly be something. Uh, could they put together some sort of manifesto? Uh, they probably could, our programme for government. But could Michal Martin stay on as Taoiseach, given his intransigent hostility uh, to Sinn Féin since he became leader in 2011? Uh, of Fianna Fáil. Now, when I look around, I say, well, who is the uh, who's the alternative? And I don't really see one. This is Willie O'Dea's famous uh, phrase, when he looked in the mirror, he didn't see it, and he presumed everyone else in Fianna Fáil was exactly, uh, exactly the same. Um, and I think a lot of people are thinking about voting for Fianna Fáil because of, of their leader. Um, now, someone said to me recently, you know, when the people have spoken, it's then up to the politicians to, to enact, uh, or to interpret that, uh, that voice. Um, yeah, could I see a Fianna Fáil Sinn Féin coalition? I suppose I could, but I think I just... The, the enmity Michal Martin holds for Sinn Féin, uh, both in the future in terms of tax, but also in terms of its past and its, its threat uh, to the stability of this state. Now, Mary Lou MacDonald, Pierce Doherty, owner Brim would say this completely far-fetched. Uh, but the IRA was a threat to the stability of the state for decades. Uh, and, uh, and Jerry Adams was associated with that threat. Uh, now he's off the pitch. Um, things certainly have uh, have changed, but people are voting, are thinking about voting for Sinn Féin, not in any way United Ireland or Border Poll, any of this stuff. I think the, the issues, as we said, are housing, health, and uh, they seem to have reasonably good policies to um, to get to grips with those with 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 those two the, those two twin issues that have dominated the campaign. Fine Gael say they have, but of course we have the evidence of nine years and waiting lists are going up. And uh, there's a homeless crisis and it's very difficult to buy a home. That's one other interesting aspect to the whole Sinn Féin rise, Gary. As you said, and I agree with you completely, that those who are flocking to them now, it's not because of Border Paul or, or United Ireland. Yet, underneath it all, at its core, Sinn Féin is a nationalist party. Mm. And this talk, whether it's justified or not, and we had some evidence with these emails from Martin Mueller in, in Northern Ireland, whether there are these former senior figures in the IRA uh, who have a big influence. I certainly wouldn't imagine they want or care about an influence in housing or health, for instance, but anything associated with the party in terms of its nationalist agenda, they would. And 
you could have a scenario whereby the people are voting for Sinn Féin on one basis, mm. but their main objective is a completely different one in terms of pursuing a border policy. Yeah, so they're voting on one one or two issues and they get a party that then deals with different issues. Now, if there was a coalition, I would expect to see Owen O'Brien as housing minister and Louise O'Reilly as health minister. Um, but yeah, like Cash for Ash has been a disaster for Sinn Féin and the whole Martino Mullor uh, issue... Uh, unelected shadowy figures uh, talks about the odd caller and sort of you know did this famous pledge um, and I saw someone who would consider themselves centre right right on Twitter that they'd be very happy to see Sinn Féin in, in power but not in justice or defence which brought me back to the old Charlie Hawhey days when uh, George Colley had a veto uh, you remember this way back in uh, in 1979 Um he had a veto over Charlie High, o- o- over the nominees for justice and defence on the basis that he didn't trust Charlie High. Yeah, because High was, of course, involved in the arms trial less than a decade uh, uh, previously. And uh, that was, of course, the famous election where Hockey took uh, the great, the sort of, I was going to say blue bloods, but probably green bloods of Fianna Fáil uh, uh, by surprise and won an election, the, uh, the leadership election, election. On, the, on the basis of his, his cultivation of backbenchers over the course of the, the 1970s. Um but yeah, because you really have a coalition put together if one person, if one party or a group is saying, well, you can have these ministries, but under no circumstances, again, you have defence or justice because there are files uh, and there are probably files and senior people lynching Fein in the uh, in the offices of uh, of both departments. Um, so yeah, like Sinn Féin at its heart is uh, quite left-wing, as we know, and the manifesto says it, but you're right, it's a raison d'etre, is a united Ireland. I was very struck by Mary Lou MacDonald's interview with Brian Dobson last night, uh, where she talked about uh, partition as being a, a huge problem, uh, when he quest- quizzed her on different pension agencies in the North and the Republic, um, issues around property tax now. Don't get me started on property tax because that's the one great bugbear I have with parties of the left. Uniquely in Absolutely. Western, uniquely in Western Europe, uh, they don't want to, to tax people's asset and property uh, because it's an attack supposedly uh, on the family home. One could interpret it like that, but there's no other left wing party in Europe having a similar uh, stance. So, so yeah, but United Ireland, a border poll in the light of Brexit, uh, United Ireland has obviously never been as close. No, perhaps because unintentionally the British point of view because of uh, Brexit uh, but if there's red lines on a United Ireland I can't see any circumstance where Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael could sign up to that mm. uh, and I'm not sure uh, Sinn Féin's supporters uh, would thank them for staying out because of questions around not holding a border poll I mean the voters are fickle Mick this is a big it is an important point I think Um they went to Labour in uh, in 2011, flocked to the party, uh, 37 seats, 20-odd percent of the vote. And then when they weren't happy, they got seven seats on 6% of the vote uh, five mm. years later. They're now looking at Sinn Féin in some similar circumstances. Uh, the risk of not going in is great, but the risk of going in itself is great. Uh, because let's say they go in with Fianna Fáil and the things don't get better. And then the electorate will say, well, we gave you a chance. And uh, you didn't, um, you know, you didn't satisfy us. So the electorate is figured this is what's happened with the fragmentation of the uh, of the party system. But what strikes me about Sinn Féin is that uh, there is now a seriousness about going into power, about seeking people's votes on the, the main issues. Uh, now, some of it is clearly populist. But, uh, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen at the weekend. Finally, Gary, briefly... 
What do you see at this point as the most likely composition of the next government? <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's, there's the $64 billion uh, question, Mick. Uh, so I think Fianna Fáil will get the most seats and that puts them in a position to try to form some sort of alternative government. I think the difficulty is they probably won't have enough seats with Greens, Labour, Social Democrats and Independents to even get to 80. They might. Um, but I think, that's, I think that'll, be the, the, that'll be the opening gambit. Uh, but then they might have to turn their eyes to, uh, to Sinn Féin. That becomes very difficult for, for Micheál Martin. I think things are so bad for Fianna Gael. There, I don't see any circumstances where they will be the uh, the party with the most seats and giving them a chance to uh, to do to something uh, similar. Uh, but would Michal Martin say if he has a coalition which doesn't quite get to eighty? But we can, would he say to Fine Gael, we need you to support us in a type of confidence and supply, but not the same because there would be more seats if you if you get what I mean. So while Fine Gael had fifty seats for confidence and supply, a Fianna Fáil coalition might have seventy five. Obviously, it's not easy, which is the magic figure, but they might be able to say to Fine Gael and to Leo Varadkar, no, whether he stays on, of course, is another question, uh, we need you to support us on big budgetary issues. That's how I would see it. Gary Murphy, thank you very much. Thank you, Mick. Well, that's it for today's folks. Some interesting thoughts there from Gary Murphy. On Friday, we'll have our final podcast on politics ahead of the election, and we might even gaze through a few crystal balls to foretell how it's all going to end up. And of course, we will inevitably be wrong. For now, I'd like to thank JJ Vernon on Sound. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and all other platforms. You can let me know what you think at mick.clifford.examiner.ie or on Twitter at, at mickcliff. See you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.